You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Dave Rubenstein here again, joining me for a further discussion on DevSecOps, Stephen Gates. He's the Security Evangelist and SME at Checkmarks. How you doing, Stephen? Great, Dave. How you doing today, sir? Very, very good. Thank you so much. So uh, when last we spoke, we were talking about DevSecOps and a number of uh, branches that came off of that. And one of the things we want to dive down into a little more deeply today is the use of open source technology uh, in uh, security DevSecOps. So uh, let me just get our right started right off the top. What kind of open source uh, are we talking about here? Well, Dave, I'm in, and obviously, welcome to the listening audience. But but first, let's discuss the types of open source we're not talking about. You know, open source means lots of things to lots of different people. So, you know, when we look at like, um, you know, browsers like Firefox or a Microsoft Office competitor called OpenOffice or, you know, Alfresco or MySQL or, you know, FreeBSD, right, which is uh, basically, you know, a free version of Linux. That's not really the open source we're discussing in the context of of software development so so in, in this context we're really talking about open source libraries and packages and components modules that developers are pulling into a code base and they're really doing that to solve different problems and the result is that it speeds the time to development and it really just performs various functions um, for example maybe like an input sanitizer uh, for example, Mozilla Bleach, right? That was one of them that we, uh, a sanitizer that recently uh, Checkmark Security Research Team found some vulnerabilities inside of Mozilla Bleach. And also maybe like a calculator function or a captcha function or a progress bar, et cetera. You know, I go to this one site called uh, SourceGraph on occasion. And last time I looked there, there were over 300,000 different open source pieces of code free to the public. And, you know, with the digital transformation going on today, it's pretty it's pretty much evident that every business sector is being impacted by this digital transformation. And plus the fact that software, you know, a lot of people say it's eating the world, right? And so time to market is everything. Now, however, there are some gotchas in the form of new risks. Okay. So what might those risks be? What are we talking about? I mean, I know there are vulnerabilities in a lot of open source packages that we talk about, but what else, uh, what else are we looking at? Well, today, organizations are kind of concerned about the open source usage that's going on within the developers within their organization. And this is for organizations that develop their own code, right? And they have developers. And again, they're pulling these various packages or libraries, components, whatever you want to call them, into a code base. And security is one of the most significant challenges when consuming open source because vulnerable components can easily become open windows to hackers, right? And, you know, they find a vulnerability and then they search around, you know, the internet looking for people running these various different pieces of code that could be potentially exploited. But it goes beyond, you know, the, the, the risk landscape is broader than just vulnerability risk. There's also license risk because each one of these open source, um, you know, components or whatever can be, have various types of licenses. It can be very, very strict licenses, where you must disclose the usage of this uh, open source inside of your code base, all the way down to, um, 
you know, some of the licenses are like, buy the guy a beer the next time you see him, right? <laughs> and so, so, you know, and then there's also, so we got vulnerability risk, license risk, but there's also this thing called operational risk, which we call technical debt. And what that is, is that say, for instance, somebody pulls in some open source into a code base. And now that open source is not being taken care of very well by the community. You know, it's a project that's been abandoned or et cetera. And so who, who basically who's responsible for that, right? It's in your code base. You've got to, uh, you know, you've got to do something about that. Now, interestingly enough, Dave, is that time pressures are often leading to the use of third party components. And for instance, we uh, commissioned a survey with uh, Enterprise Strategy Group. And, you know, all, all these all these people that responded to the survey, 80 percent reported significant use of open source in their code base. And 43 percent stated that more than half of their code base is composed of open source. Mm-hmm. Now, the positive thing here is that 50 percent of those who report a quarter or more of their code base is open source have at least invested in some sort of control to scan the code for vulnerabilities. And then also there reports that about half of those who report, you know, 25% or more of their code base is open source plan to invest in such controls over the least the next 12 months. Right. Now, another interesting st- statistic from this survey was that 79% of the respondents shared their organizations regularly or occasionally are pushing code to production with known organic vulnerabilities. And half of them cited the need to meet a critical deadline with a plan to remediate the issue in a later release as the reason to deploy with known issues. And, you know, so there are also a, a couple of other uh, respondees said that, hey, we felt the vulnerability at very low risk. We went forward with, you know, deploying with vulnerable code mm-hmm. or the vulnerabilities were discovered way too late, uh, you know, in the cycle to actually resolve them, meaning hey, time, you know, time is money, right? And time to market is everything. We've got to get this code out, even with knowing it's vulnerable. So this all goes back to a lot of questions today. Is open source safe? And myself personally, I think I stand for check marks as well, is that yes, it is safe, but it depends. There's some caveats, right, to it. And, you know, the listening audience especially needs to understand is that there's a difference between a vulnerable component and vulnerable versions of a component and a component contain vulnerabilities, but only in certain versions, mm-hmm. newer versions may not contain the same vulnerability that previous versions did. Right. And also components may contain their own vulnerabilities that did not exist in previous versions. Right. Good point. And then finally, a vulnerability may have just been introduced to the latest version. And at the end of the day, it really all depends on how the software is constructed and how it evolved over time. So how do organizations actually keep track of all that? I mean, they don't know every library that a developer is bringing into the system. They don't know if it's the current version or not. It almost sounds like a losing battle before you even get started. (laughs) Well, there is hope. There is hope to all of this, right? And it's really, uh, you know, it's really about software composition analysis, right? It's analyzing what is the software. It's almost like, you know, the, the, the ingredients label in a packaged good you buy at the grocery store. What's inside of this loaf of bread, right? I need to know what is goes into this thing, right? And, you know, obviously they have to disclose that, right? You know, being, you know, you know manufacturer of, of foods. But really what software composition, first and foremost, is all about detection, right? First, detect 
you know, and detection is really the process of finding open source components, you know, in software code bases. So first thing you do is you detect it. And then the next thing you do is you identify it, right? It's really about, you know, referencing a database of open source component information. And, you know, you really be at first detection, identification. And then thirdly, it's about risk metrics. So, you know, SCA solutions are really provide risk metrics based on what has been detected and identified. And it usually has some sort of security information, license data, et cetera. So I wanted to just go back to a couple of the points that you made earlier. First one would be with vulnerabilities. And in a lot of conversations that I've had, I know people talk about, yeah, we know that there's a vulnerability, but we don't think there's any way for anybody to get to it. There's no, uh, I guess, critical path is uh, the term they use. And uh, I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. Is it okay to leave a vulnerability in software if it can't be uh, leveraged or taken advantage of? That's or- an interesting. That's an interesting question, and and we call that here at Checkmarks we call that exploitable path, right? Oh, okay. Meaning, for example, say you know somebody's using a library and they're only using a single component of something of that library. And what ends up happening is, is that, hey, you know, there may be a vulnerability in, in, you know, one of those components. And it really has to do with whether or not that method is actually being called. Now, here at Checkmarks, what we do is we utilize our SaaS te- technology. And it's almost like building a tree of the code, right? So that we can go in and say, okay, we know what is being called, where it's being called. We can identify the developer's code, the open source code and if a vulnerable method is being called. So it's a combination of utilizing SAST technology, you know, static application security testing, as well as software composition analysis. And so the biggest thing for organizations out there today, you know, I mean, personally, the recommended path, I think that organizations should consider is looking at SEA technology that first and foremost delivers insight into your open source risk posture. That's key, number one. Number two is really providing info to efficiently triage scan results, right? You get these scan results and it could come back with hundreds, if not sometimes occasionally thousands of potential issues, right? And so you have to have some guidance. You have to have um, some information that says, hey, what needs triaged? What doesn't necessarily need triaged, right? And then also having technology and SEA solution that can prioritize those remediation efforts and again, around exploitable path capabilities. Um, the next one would be just really about providing remediation guidance from security experts as well, right? Um, most SEA solutions, especially you know, with regards to check marks, we have an expansive um, research team, right? This is an open source research team. So they're always providing guidance of, hey, this needs to be updated. And this is really good for um, for instance, code bases that I haven't necessarily scanned lately, right? If there's a new vulnerability that comes out and you knew you were running that, you're running that previously, you're still running it today, there's a new vulnerability, you need to be made aware of that without even having to scan. And that's what a security research team is all about. And then finally, last thing is alerts to really avoid and address license non-compliance. The last thing you want to do is you know, be it, I guess, you know, and, and litigation, right? There's a liability here. You don't want to get be drawn into some sort of litigation um, and really license, uh, you know, license management is critical as well. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I wanted to ask you. So everybody's talking about uh, shifting security left, shifting everything left. Is it 
is it up to the developers to really, you know, spend hours and hours reading through software licenses to make sure if I use this library, I don't have to then turn my whole project back into open source or how, how are they expected to stay on top of all these licensing issues, especially well, when they're not compatible? Well, the key, the key, the real key is, is to test early, test often and test thoroughly. Right. And so, you know, as I'm working on certain branches of code on pull requests or whatever, having the ability of launching scans and having the ability of launching a SAS scan in combination with an SCA scan at the exact same time, um, you know, getting those scan results right into the, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the code management tools that developers are using and, you know, looking at those results and taking action, immediate action on what things need to be remedied. That's the best, you know, that's the best approach. That's the absolute best recommendation out there. Last thing you want to do is get to the nth hour, the ninth hour, the 11th hour, the 12th hour, whatever you want to call it, um, right before we're ready to release and say, whoa, wait a second, we can't release because we got a critical vulnerability that needs to be remedied. You know, we don't, you know, there's nothing worse than breaking the build. And I think everybody in the listening audience would agree <laughs> that is the, the last case scenario you want to go through. I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. So, uh, you know, just in the last couple of minutes that we have, uh, how do you recommend that organizations go forward with all of these problems? What's the best way for them to, you know, avoid, uh, you know, leaving themselves uh, open to problems when they use open source? Well, again, you know, organizations today, a lot of them are moving toward DevOps. If not, then they are fully engaged in DevOps. And when we're talking about, you know, adding security to DevOps to get to DevSecOps, it's more than just adding three letters, SEC, right, into the <laughs> DevOps, you know, acronym, right? It's more than that, right? And so, again, having the tools to test not only for, you know, you know static code analysis, software composition analysis, and also in an interactive, um, you know, security testing as well, you know, makes a great deal of sense so that, and again, as you're developing the code, launching these scans at various places early and often um, allows you to, you know, solve these problems early and, and not, you know, not, not before the code is getting released. And then finally, you know, having some, some secure coding education, embedded right into the development platforms that, that developers are using because many times what can happen is they can run a scan comes back with a vulnerability and having the ability to just launch a you know a very very specific interactive training module that teaches the developer this is what happened this is how you need to fix it i mean the you know you add the combination of all these technologies together and i tell you you're going to have much more secure code releases Excellent. Excellent. Well, Stephen Gates, security evangelist and SME at Checkmarks, thanks so much for your time again today. Always a pleasure talking to you. All right. Thanks, Dave. And thank you to the listening audience as well. Exactly. Thanks to everybody for listening. And until next time, I'm Dave Rubenstein. So long for now. Take care.